book of Romans, and so we're at chapter 12, and uh, he's been going through 9 through 11, and he's been touching on all these really tough, tough subjects like election and all these things, and then you get to chapter 12, and it's like, whew, all right, we made it. Like, this, this, is, this is way easier to talk about. This is like spiritual gifts and, you know, marks of a Christian and just, you know, fun stuff to talk about. And so it kind of happened on a perfect day. And I, you know, wanted to say that I love preaching out of Romans. I mean, the students, they've heard Romans more than any other book these past couple years that I've been here because that's all I talk about, it seems like. And so um, I, I, get, I get the call that I need to prepare something. I'm like, great, Romans 12 is awesome, very familiar with it. But as I'm praying, as I'm going through it, God was like, hey, you know, I don't think we're going to be in Romans 12. Actually, we need to take a step back first because Romans 12 is really cool. It talks about how we are to present our bodies as a living sacrifice. But before we can look at how to present our bodies as a living sacrifice, what we first need to do is we need to look at some of the sacrifices that Israel was making in the Old Testament to be able to better understand how that we should be able to come before God. So we're actually going to end up in the book of Malachi, um, which is a really short book, if you don't know. It's like the right at the end of the Old Testament. So if you hit Matthew, you've gone one page too far. Um, but, but to get started, we're actually going to stand and read Romans 12, 1 and 2, so that we can understand what's going on as we bring all this together. So if you would, please stand, and we're going to read these two verses. It says this, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Y'all be seated. Thank y'all. And so that's where we're going to end up, all right, at the very end. That's where we're going to end up. But we need to kind of see the ending point so we can understand where we're going. So in the book of Malachi, we find the people of Israel. And, you know, the Israel, they, all, they always get this really bad rap for being, like, really, really dumb with how they obey God. And, like, they go through these ups and downs and ups and downs. And in the book of Malachi, we find them in a down spot. And they have just not been getting it. And so they've actually cried out to God through Malachi. And in, and in verse in chapter 1, verse 2, it says this. He says, God says, I have loved you, says the Lord, but you say, how have you loved us? And I read that, and as a parent, I can never imagine getting to a point where my child looks at me and says, how do you love me? Like getting to that point where your relationship is so broken that your child would not even be able to realize the love that you are pouring out for them through generations. The next few verses, he kind of goes into this appeal that you are my people. You have been since Jacob. I have watched out for you. I have I've blessed you and I have despised those of Esau. I have chosen you. And what's insane to me about these next few verses is that this isn't a, a, a creator talking to his creation. Can you imagine for a moment a king standing before a peasant and giving a, a, an explanation for why he's doing what he's doing? That would never happen. Can you imagine a potter trying to explain to his clay why he made it a pot? Like that just, that, That's unrealistic. But here God takes the time to talk to his people and say, this is how I've loved you. 
This is who I am. This is how I've shown you who I am. This isn't a king talking to his people or a creator talking to his creation. This is a father talking to his children. He says, this is how I've loved you. I've chosen you. When we look on to verses 6 through 9, it says this, A son honors his father and a servant his master. If then I'm a father, where is my honor? And if I'm a master, where is my fear? Says the Lord of hosts to you, O priest, who despise my name. But you say, how have we despised your name? By offering polluted food on my altar. But you say, how have we polluted you? By saying the Lord's table may be despised. When you offer blind animals in sacrifice, is that not evil? And when you offer those that are lame or sick, is that not evil? Present that to your governor. Will he accept you or show you favor? And now entreat the favor of God that he may be gracious to us with such a gift from your hand. Will he show favor to you, to any of you? So what the people of Israel were doing, and what it honestly, as we look through here, we see that it's commonplace Rather than giving the first fruits, rather than giving the best of what they had, they would vow to give them this best calf and they would raise it up for God and nothing else. And then another one would get like attacked by a lion and they'd be like, oh, we're just going to give him this one because we can't use it anyway. Like they were just taking their trash out when they were going to temple. And they were saying, all right, here you go, God. And like we made our sacrifice, check that off the box. I'm going to keep on going, doing what I'm doing. And the Lord said, no. It doesn't work like that. You don't get to come to me and ask for blessings when this is how you're approaching me. You don't get to bring your weak stuff in here then expect me to pour out blessings. You don't get to come in here and play church and then expect me to pour out blessings when there's no substance there. You see, God wasn't necessarily upset with what the people were bringing him. He was upset with the heart behind it. They weren't giving until it hurt. They weren't giving God their best. They were giving God their leftovers. God said, no, I'm worth more than your leftovers. I'm worth more than your trash. I'm worth everything. Verse 10 speaks really highly to, I think, a lot of the American church as a whole. It says, oh, that there were one among you who would shut the doors, that you may not kindle fire on my altar in vain. I have no pleasure in you, says the Lord of hosts, and I will not accept an offering from your hand. So many churches, if you go and you, and you sit through some of these, they don't even open the Bible. They're going to have an entire service, and maybe you know the last couple minutes, they'll, they'll pick out a verse and they'll say, this is how we connected it. We sit through this, and, 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 and we go, and we go, and we go, and we play church, and we sit through a sermon, or we sit, and these people, they would come, and they would say, yep, I made my sacrifice, I made my offering, Bye. And there was no heart change. There was, no, there was nothing real about it. It was a checklist. Hey, I dropped off my sacrifice. Also cleaned up my field at the same time. And God said, no. I'd rather somebody shut my doors to my temple than for you to bring that in here. He says, it's all or nothing. And I don't know how long it took, and I don't know how long this went on before God finally got to a point where he was like, no, if this is how it's going to be, I'd rather just shut the doors. We're talking about his temple where he was to be praised. He was like, no, I'd rather you just not even show up. And these people were asking, they had the audacity while they were doing this to ask God, how have you loved us? 
We've given you exactly what you asked for, but they really haven't. You see, this sounds so crazy, and it sounds like they were just giving him his scraps, but so often that's exactly what we do with God in our own lives. We say, I'm going to give my best time to, to my family, to my work, to you know, a little bit of rest for me, and i got to get all this stuff done, and then whatever's left, that's what I'll give to God. And it ends up being like five minutes before bed, and you go to him in prayer, or maybe like right before you eat. And I'm the first one to say that I, even as a pastor, have all kinds of moments like this. I miss so many opportunities with my own two kids or with my own wife to have spiritual conversations because I'm tired. Because I just got done training or because I was doing a thousand other things or because I said, hey, you know, I did all this stuff. I, you know, I was teaching about Jesus earlier and all this stuff. And then I got home. And I'm the first one to say that I miss so many opportunities like this. But God doesn't call us to perfection, but God calls us to give our best. You see, we're going to fail. I fail. Gordon fails. We all fail. Sorry to call him out like that. It's not even here. Sorry, Gordon. But we all have these moments where we miss opportunities to have great spiritual conversations. That's not why God was closing the doors. You see, they've gotten so commonplace for there to be no real worship that they would just come and show up. There was no attempt at real worship. There was no heart in it. There was no desire to actually worship. The only desire was to say, yeah, I did that. Yep, I went and made my offerings. Yep, went to temple today. Nailed that one. Check that one off the list. But God said, that's not what it's about. I'm too good for that. When we look at verse 11, and even in the second half of verse 14, it says this, for, I, for from the rising of the sun to its setting name, Will be my name will be great among the nations, and in every place incense will be offered to my name, and a pure offering for my name will be great among the nations, says the Lord of hosts. The second half of verse 14 says this, For I am a great king, says the Lord of hosts, and my name will be feared among the nations. When we read in Revelation, we see that, there, that, that there, he is being praised all, all of eternity. When we see in Romans, all of creation is crying out his praises. When we see all throughout that God will be praised. Because that is what he is worth. He is worth an eternity of praise because that's how long it's going to take. That we can never bring him too much. But the people of Israel and so often in church buildings throughout the country today, we have people that are coming and just checking it off the list and saying, yeah, I went to church. Yeah, I brought my sacrifice. Yep, I did that. I prayed before I ate. Prayed before I went to bed. Nailed it. Now, now I'm a great Christian. And God said, that's not what it's about. It's not about how many hours you put in in quiet time. What it's about is a real heart change. It's about going to him and giving him everything. Giving until it hurts because there's nothing else left to give. But one of the coolest things, I think, that comes out of Malachi is even through all of this that he's throwing at them and how he's saying, I'd rather close the doors. And now he's saying, I'm not even going to listen to your prayers. And he's saying, I'm not going to accept your sacrifices. In that same exact message, 
We see God's love shine through in chapter 3, verse 3. It says this, He, talking about God, will sit as a refiner and purifier of silver. And he will purify the sons of Levi and refine them like gold and silver. And they will bring offerings in the righteousness to the Lord. Then, oh, then the offering of Judah and Jerusalem will be pleasing to the Lord as in the days of old and in the former years. Verse 3 is such an incredible verse for so many reasons. But it's, if we go back to that one and we really look, uh, can you go back to verse 3? It says, how much of that do we have to do? It says, he will. He will sit as a refiner. He will purify and refine them. And then, once God has done the work in us, once God has done the work for us, then we can bring offerings that are pleasing to him. Once we allow God to do the work, once he has done the work, this, again, this is the people of Israel he's talking to, then they can once again bring offerings that are pleasing to him. You see, it's not about what, what do we have to do, what, how, how far do we have to go, how much do we have to learn, how much time do we have to spend in prayer, how much time do we have to spend reading, how much time do we have to spend talking and having spiritual conversations. What it, what it, what it comes down to is how much are we allowing God, His Spirit, His Son, to work in our lives? Because there's no about of good that we can do that would ever match what God has already done for us. There is nothing we can do because He's already done the work. You see, Israel was looking forward to the day of the Messiah, but we now have the ability to look back and see that that work has been done. And it was done for us on the cross. You see, God, the same God that, that was talking to Israel, the same God that says, I will sit as a refiner and purifier, the same God that, that said that is the same God that we serve today. And He makes sure that we know it in verse 6. He says, For I, the Lord, do not change. I do not change. He's the same then. He's the same now. He's the same forever will be. Therefore, you, O children of Jacob, are not consumed. From the days of your fathers, you have turned aside from my statutes and have not kept them. Return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But how, you say, shall we return? Man, the same God that was saying, uh-uh, I'd rather you just close the doors, is saying, but if you'll just allow me to work, I will make you new. I will refine you. I will purify you. And that same God that is talking to Israel is the same God that we serve today. He says, I do not change. If you would just return to me, I will turn to you. And you see, it's so incredible because he says, the people ask, and he sees that they're going to ask. He says, how shall we return? And he says, uh, in verse 10, he says, bring the full tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and hereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. He says, give everything I am due. If you will give me 
the full amount that I, if you will give me yourself, if you will give me your full sacrifice that I am due, I will bless you. And again, he's talking, this is before Jesus, this is the, the book right before Jesus, we're about to go through this dark age before, that, before he comes, and he says, return to me and I will turn to you. You would just bring the full tithe to me. If you will bring me everything that I, that, that, that I called for you, then I will open the windows of heaven and I will rain down blessings. He says to test me. You see, it's so neat being able to look back on this, knowing what's to come. Knowing what Christ has done for us. You see, we have this amazing opportunity that when we put God to the test, we have a, a distinct moment in time that we can look to and say, yeah, He opened the heavens. Yeah, He rained down His blessings. Do you want to know how serious God takes your sin? Look at the cross. Do you want to know how serious He is about His love for you? Look at the cross. Do you want to know why you can come to God right now this morning? It's because God came to you on the cross. He says, put me to the test. And when we look at that cross, we see that He passed that test. That He rained down those blessings when He rose from that grave. And that He is good to let us rise again with Him eternally in heaven. But you see, we have to give Him everything. We have to make ourselves available to be used by Him. We have to allow ourselves to be refined. We have to allow ourselves to go and say that God, You are who You say You are. I'm a, I'm a sinner and I'm turning away from that. And at that moment when he, when, we, when he enters our lives that we are purified, He begins this process through the Holy Spirit to refine us. And that process doesn't end until we get to heaven. And He just keeps refining us and making us better and more like Him and more like Him and more like Him. And it's all Him. All we have to do is make ourselves available to give everything to Him. Because he says, if you're holding back, you might as well just close the doors. It's not worth my time or yours for you to be there if you're not going to give everything. Romans 12, 1 and 2 says a very similar thing. It says, Paul, Paul has just come through a, a lot of really deep conversations and, he, and he's appealing to his brothers, and he says, I appeal to you by the mercies of God. Present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. This is your spiritual worship. He's saying, give him everything he is due, and everything he is due is all of you. There's no, nothing you can hold back. And by doing that, that's how you worship him. What we do up here on Sunday mornings is worship and we sing to Him and we praise Him and we sing our praises. But when we are, uh, are giving all of ourselves to Him, that is true 
and, and, and good worship that leaves this building and keeps on going and spreads his message to others. And it continues throughout our entire week. It doesn't last in this hour or the Wednesday night hour. It continues on for those other 166 hours a week. He says, give everything. And if you need proof, just look at the cross. Just look at the cross. There He purified you through the resurrection. He is refining you constantly through His Spirit. He says it's all or nothing. He chose you. He chose the cross to purify you. And He rains down His Spirit to refine you. And He says, what are you going to choose? I appeal that you would choose God. As we saw in chapter 9 earlier, he said, I would give my own salvation if it would mean you would come. But so many have not. So many have not. He says, present yourselves to God. So church, as we come to a close this morning, I just want to challenge you. What are you holding back from him? What, are you, what, what is your sacrifice that you're saying, no, I don't want to give this really good one. I'm just going to give this. What is it that you're keeping from Him that you're holding on to that you're saying, no, I just can't give that one thing? I would appeal to you, give it to Him. Test Him and look at the cross to see the proof that He is greater than anything else in this world. Let's pray. Father God, we just thank You. We thank You for the opportunity that we have to come before You. God, we thank You that You are a God who refines and purifies us when we can do nothing. God, that all we must do is be available to be used by You. God, as we come to enjoy this time of communion, that we would just go to you in prayer and give you everything, every part of our life, that we would give until it hurts. God, that we would hold nothing back, that we would offer ourselves as a living sacrifice. God, I just pray for each and every person in here that we would know you and that we would grow closer to you all throughout the week. God, I thank you for this time that you've given us in Jesus' name. Amen.